So, guys, we have a lot to talk about. It's kind of hard to fathom we have not done a show since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, the three of us. See, that silence is gold. It It's like... It's like when you go to a family reunion and you look across the room and you say, is that Ann Ethel? I haven't seen her in a decade. That's how I feel about Adam. I missed him. I missed him tremendously. We, uh, we recorded on Friday a podcast that has never seen the light of day. <clears throat> Mr. T-Shirt Empire. And um, Adam, I, I watched, I watched, I listened, but more importantly, I watched as you cried grown man tears talking about how much this win meant for you and uh and your family and it made me miss you more so it's it's good to see you it's been unbelievable i'm still i'm still coming to grips with the fact that i root for a team that's won the super bowl uh how was the parade for you guys it It was uh something it was good it was good did you go yeah i was there where I was you? near I was near the art museum. So it so was you were all the way up. Yeah, I just decided if there's going to be bedlam, I just want to experience it firsthand. And I did. And it was aggressive and it was awesome. Um and you know, being there for Kelsey's speech and just feeling the vibrations was unbelievable. I you you knew it was legendary as it was going on. Uh, I ended up back at at my friend's apartment, and I passed out his lobby, and I woke up to a phone call saying, come, I got a table at some place, Vesper or something, and I ended up going, and the Super Bowl trophy ended up being there. So no apparently, apparently the city, like the actual Super Bowl trophy, like right when the day was over, it gets locked up. But a city apparently gets like six or seven replicas. I heard that, and I wasn't sure if it was true. I did not know this. Yeah, so that, that those were the ones that were on the buses and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I ended okay. up I ended up kissing it, and it was I did I wasn't even taking it seriously until the next day when I like read up on it. And I was like, oh shit, that was actually the one. Yeah, so, so it was it was a wild day. So are they all the, like made? They're all identical. They all say Tiffany on it. Yeah, I think they're all like the same height, weight, size, all that stuff. No kidding. Was your girlfriend jealous that you kissed Tiffany? Uh, no. She. I'm just. I'm at a point now where I feel like I'm still recuperating from the week and a half in Minnesota, and then like two, three days in Philly with all that stuff. Like I'm finally, my body is finally adjusting to normal life. What was what did you do after the game in Minnesota? I stayed in the in the stadium for like three hours. Okay, uh, you just don't want to leave it, you know. So like I, you're there's just like thousands, tens of thousands of Eagles fans that are just they're just looking at each other and we're like talking to each other and then they're they're playing on the music and they're they're showing all the live press conferences and then I. I tried to crash uh, the Sims set with NBC, and they were like yelling at me, and uh, you don't really care. And then you you're talking shit to Barkan and all that stuff. But uh, then like Sims, it's me, it's me, Adam. And he's like, who, who? No, I was walking by, and they were like, hey, you can't walk by here. 
And I was like, don't worry. Like, I'm I'm really good friends with that dude. And he was like, oh, he's like, yeah, we can't distract him. He's on live television. And I was like, I don't think you know then. Like, if I distracted him, it would make him better on television. Uh, so I just texted him, and that was cool. And then I ended up going to some party in Minneapolis, which was a lot of fun. But, um, dude, it's just... You guys know it happened, and you looked around and you went, "What the? F- are you re- are you serious right now?" And it's just been glowing ever since. Yeah, and Philadelphia has been like positive. It was uh, a few days ago. Um, Doc Rivers was in Philly, and he was quoted as saying, "Walking around Philly, people are so happy now. It's amazing." People said, "Good luck." I was like, "Wow, I'm in Oklahoma." Um, yeah. When when people I work with were asking what the atmosphere was like. You know, was it Bedlam? It was like the only thing that was was weird or like, I don't know, disappointing in a sense was maybe just that like broken bottles and cans were everywhere. But I was like, people bumped into you like every so many seconds and people were apologizing for bumping into you. I'm like, it was a totally different Philadelphia feel than I'm than I've ever experienced. And it and like you've started to see how that's kind of spread throughout the country. Yesterday, the Flyers played against uh, Vegas, the Golden Knights. And their mascot released this video of uh, greasing the poles outside of the arena with Crisco. And um, the security guard came up and said, why are you doing that? And he pointed over, and it's a Flyers fan running like full bore at a pole, grabbing on and sliding down. But like even last night, the Flyers fans took over Vegas's uh, arena. Flyers ended up winning that game. But like this positivity of, of that Eagles win has just kind of spread throughout the country. And they even had fully audible E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chants going on the telecast, which is pretty cool. Pretty sure Sixers and Flyers haven't lost since the Super Bowl, right? I think the Sixers might have lost one game. But it, like they, the Flyers have now managed to get themselves, I think, into third in their division. Um, they, they're on a massive run. No they're fly. Like, wait, they're 19-8-2 no and two or something like that. Um, the Sixers, I think, maybe have only lost one game. And they picked up Marco Bellinelli since we last recorded. Which uh, uh, is I, funny we, because hold on, remember, we have not spoken to Adam since the Eagles have won the Super Bowl. I'm just, I, you know, we're I am it's, a, it's the a flyby. It's a flyby recap of uh, <laughs> those two teams. The positivity has spread. Um, yeah, for, for I'm thinking out loud here. So Russ and I, if you're if you're wondering where we've been and all that, um, Russ and I actually did record on Friday. Uh, I was at the hotel and. The Wi-Fi was not good and would not allow me to post the episode. So we have that audio. Uh, I will potentially amend it to the end of this show because there's nothing wrong with it. And it's us recapping the parade. So thinking out loud here, uh, if you're listening now, after we, the three of us get done talking, it will be Russ and I talking about uh, the entire parade experience as it was fresh on Friday. Um, but the one thing I said then... Um, and the reasons for no other shows last week, we were all, I think, dead on Monday morning, and I think I overslept on Wednesday after um, it's been a, it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks trying to get our, our T-shirts out. Um, but the one thing, Adam, I said to Russ on Friday was it finally set in for me right after we had the hotel and walked down the parkway for the speech, got about halfway up, watched it from a video board. Uh, it was a little hard to hear parts of Kelsey's thing, but like you said, it was immediately recognizable as being legendary. And I felt the reason for, I mean, besides it being great and him dropping the F-bomb and all, all this stuff, 
is in hindsight, it I think it redefines a mindset for the entire city. Uh, you know, sports and otherwise, like Philly constantly has this underdog mentality. We're not as good. We're not as big as New York. We're not as important as DC. Um, you know, we don't win as much as Boston. Exactly. And I feel like he just encapsulated all of that sports and otherwise, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a blue collar town still, the demographics are changing, but you know, you walk around that town, there's a lot of, a lot of blue collar. And I think he really sort of just re, um, like reset the mindset for a lot of people. And I was shocked as to how well it played nationally. I was expecting to come back and look at Twitter and see national people saying, oh, God, this is so trashy. You got a guy dressed as a mummer dropping F-bombs. And it was anything but that. But the, the moment it really set in for me was walking back down uh, the parkway and hearing We Are the Champions blasting throughout Philadelphia. And I think it was at that moment I finally realized the Eagles uh, won the Super Bowl. Russ, was that a union song? Um, okay, so yes and no. Uh, <laughs> I brought I brought this up a few weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, it is it's a chant that you'll hear if you go to union games, which not many people do. It came from um, the Millwall supporters in the UK. They actually started. I think it was either the sixties or seventies. It was a response to other league fans uh, and the league as a whole. I guess hating the way that they supported their team. They didn't like how rowdy the crowd was so they started the no one likes this chant the uh sons of ben the union supporter section modified it to be about philly and uh here we are and so that was modified by the union sons of ben fan yep man well it's a great it, it's a great song like it's I, an amazing song and i think that really captured that whole speech kind of in that essence i think when i look back at the super bowl I don't know if it was 90-10 Eagles fans. It was probably like 65-35. But the fact that we have songs, whether it's the Fly Eagles Fly, if it's just an E-A-G-L-E-S, if this song could become one, it honestly makes it feel like it's 90% Eagles fans. Because the Patriots didn't have a song. Like when you're walking around the stadium, like all you're hearing is Eagles songs and the Patriots are like, go Pats! And it almost sounds pathetic. <laughs> and I think the fact that we have these songs, I mean, you look at any of the, the big world football clubs, speaking of soccer, that's what they use, you know? And it's just constant and I love it. The Kelsey speech, the thing is, is that the people nationally don't know that's a mummer's costume. I would say that most people still don't know that that's a mummer's costume, what the Mummer's Day Parade is, and why they dress that way. So I think the fact that you had this big bearded man that looked like a leprechaun is part of the reason why it spread so far. And I think also when he started doing his Eminem, uh, I am white, I am a freaking bum, I do live in a trailer with my mom, like when he was naming all of the issues with Philadelphia, when he said Lane Johnson can't stay off the juice and Brandon Brooks has anxiety, that was like my oh, like my oh shit, I can't believe he just said that moment mm -hmm. where the Lane Johnson juice and Brandon Brooks is that like we're I can't believe you said that. Like that was unbelievable. Uh and the Mike Lombardi, like specifically saying him by name with Doug Peterson, and then Doug Peterson giving a fist pump. Like, oh my gosh, it was just so awesome because it really is the whole team. We've been saying that the whole year, that this whole team has been disrespected. Uh, 
or that crazy stuff has happened. But to say it on that stage, me, look, me and Russ, we had a, a episode of this podcast, I think it was like two weeks ago, where we said, you know, who would be the guy that you want to give the major F-bomb? And we joked that it would be Carson Wentz. And I said it would probably be Lane Johnson. We never said Jason Kelsey. And I think it's great because he's been one of the big guys that's been disrespected for a very long time as a guy that the Eagles should cut, the Eagles should cut. They should save salary by cutting him. And, yeah, I think that was the release that we needed. And it, it, it wasn't really coming. All the other speeches were good. Chris Long's and Lane Johnson was funny. But Kelsey's was the speech that I think everybody got. They really cheered. And I agree, Kyle. It needed We Are the Champions afterwards because that was a song that I've never associated with us ever. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, no, totally agree. My money was on Lane Johnson as well. And in hindsight, I, I feel like we, we all missed Kelsey. That He seemed like... In hindsight, it seems like rather obvious, but he was, you could tell he was going to be the, the clubhouse leader of the day from jump. I don't know how much you were paying attention, but we're sitting, you know, in the hotel room following the early parts of it, and he's on 6ABC singing that song down by Citizens Bank Park, drops the F bomb twice, takes until the second one until uh, they dump out of it awkwardly, which was delightful. Um, and you're like, okay, well, Kelsey has already won the day, and they haven't even hit Broad Street yet. Uh, and then to turn around and do that was was terrific. And, you, you know, those those topics he touched on, you know, it's like you hit the third rail. And, you know, that was another, the other part of the speech was it was real. They, You know, guys get up in sports all the time and, you know, speak in cliches and even after they win and whatever. And to see him get up there and just – straight up embrace not even an elephant in the room no one was thinking about it but all the the really worst you know the worst things you could say about the guys on that team and you know their ped suspensions and a guy not that this is a you know a personality trait but you know a guy missing time due to you know some sort of anxiety issue last year and just you know throw mixing that in with you know trivial stuff like oh you know so and so can't block that was uh yeah it was pretty uh it was pretty nuts I think in the aftermath, hard to wrap head around. The I'm just amazed how nationally everyone is applauding the speech. I really do think it's it's kind of wild how like it is it is I think just like now considered a great motivational speech, regardless of who you are, unless you're Tom Brady, I guess. Yeah, I mean it was it was an absolutely fantastic <laughs> you know embodiment of of what being a Philadelphia fan is. You know, I think a lot of times we we sit back and and talk about like. Do the players actually care about the city they play for? Are they more about the paycheck? Do they really care about, is it just about the winning? And what what Kelsey did, I think, was just kind of embody everything that you would ever hoped that your player would say. And and took on the struggle. Like, it was a thing that guys who have been playing in the city for years, like, um, you know, Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck, um, even Jason Peters, like, they mentioned on multiple occasions how important it was to win it because they knew how how Philadelphia fans had been constantly mocked and ridiculed for not having, you know, had supported a team that had won a Super Bowl. And so, like, I, I don't know how much of that, you know, usually plays into a, a professional sports team, but I would kind of think that, you know, if nothing else, they were aware of, of the criticism. They're aware of, of how much their fans care. And I thought that was really cool. Um, on the Mummers costume, there was a Boston paper. I can't find it right now. One of the Boston papers, I think, had run this... Um, this thing uh, it was about Kelsey's speech, and they mentioned that 
Kelsey had walked around with a beer in his hand wearing a Mummers costume. And then they, as an aside, they wrote, which is something that the Mummers Day Parade organizers would not have been thrilled about because it's not what the Mummers Day Parade is all about. And I'm like, <laughs> you very clearly do not understand what the Mummers Day Parade is. If you're actually putting those words together in the same sentence, you just don't get it. And it's that okay. Was, I'm yeah. waiting for the, uh, the Ernest Owens article about cultural appropriation. From uh, from Kelsey's outfit, but that's just me. <laughs> I don't know what the Mummers Day Parade is about. I just know that it's on New Year's or something. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's it's about exactly what happened on Thursday. I mean, it's just it's, about just getting after it. Yeah. There. So, uh, man, I'll tell you what. Right near uh, where we were, so to the right of the stage, uh, f- if you're facing out from the stage, there's you know just a line of 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 porta potties like a hundred porta potties but it was jammed like there was no way to even move and i end up going down to this area and it was like it was like this little place where all the eagles fans piss and see these are things you don't get in the hotel room and it's just like a hundred eagles fans lined up taking turns to pee and it's all flowing into this river. And I don't even know what river it was. But on that day, it was filled with hundreds of different champions piss. <laughs> and that's the difference. Is now when we piss, it's actually excellence. And I went down and I scooped up two big old things like bone broth and it's on its way to both of your houses right now. I wanted you guys to experience it the way I did. So when you open it, don't shake it a lot. The top didn't seal great. <laughs> I actually kind of hope you're telling the truth. I would I would love a vat some of parade, champion some, piss. Some ver- vat of champion parade piss. I'm just going for- to forward mine to, to, to Kyle. I it's not, not an email. I don't know what he's into. It's, it's coming to your doorstep. <laughs> That's just a lot. Take a sip off the top. Come over, come over, Ross. I'll just be pouring it on my bare chest. Is that what you're? What is happening? Why? Why? He said, "I don't Uh, know what he's into." I've tried to think of the weirdest possible thing. The first day that we're all back, and Kyle is reenacting. Was it Flashdance as R. Kelly? This is great. Have you guys had any interactions with any non-Eagles fans yet? Yes. How'd that go? Um. All right, so coworkers of mine, I I have a couple coworkers who are Cowboys fans. They walked around when I saw yeah. them on Monday. I I actually I forgot for a second they were Cowboys fans, and I was like, oh my god, like did somebody die? What happened? So I walk up, I'm like, yeah, what's going on? I'm like, you okay? And like, this is the worst day of my life. Why? The Eagles won the Super Bowl. I'm like, oh, that's why you look like that? Like it? That's it? They're like, yes, I'm, it's going to take me a long time to recover. I'm like, well, that sucks. And then there were a couple, a uh, couple coworkers who are Patriots fans who like weren't as devastated, but were still like just as as weird, I guess, about it. And um, I, I don't know, like people I, I work with that are typically, um, what's a good way to put this? They're they're crusty curmudgeons. Were like lit up with jovial spirit for the first time i've ever seen in all the years that i've worked in 
where the, I've worked. The low-key best tweet of the weekend was the Dallas Cowboys, uh, like, social media team or whatever, you know, the, their version of Dave Spadaro and, and whoever, uh, putting out a video. Um, what will it take for the Cowboys to emulate the Eagles and, and contend for a Super Bowl? Um, probably one of my favorite tweets of all time, seeing them have to kind of cuff themselves. Great. The comments on um, it by Cowboys fans were also fantastic. Oh, really? Nice, nice. Um, I want to get, now that Adam's here, I feel like, I feel like, um, he's the appropriate person to speak to about this. Um, I, as you know, I am big into Mr. Mill, okay? Um, because I am I keep it real. I have been listening Mr. to Dream. Oh, Meek Mr. Mill. Yeah. Mr. Yeah, he called him Mr. Mr. Pepper Mill. Oh, I Mr. Ha- Meek Mill. Meek. <clears throat> I have been listening to Dreams and Nightmares. Uh, I cooked a Hello Fresh last week and, and listened to Dreams and Nightmares about six times on the Alexa and there's um, white guy again. Uh, the attack of the white man. Is this the new? Is this Philly's new rap song? Because I mean, I I I was I had it at like eight to one that they were gonna free Meek on the art museum steps, and maybe it was just because I was caught up in the moment. But I, in my mind, I actually entertained the scenario where Mayor Kenny just stepped in and was like, <clears throat> "No, no, no, he's done. He's out." He's out. This is the. If they would have freed Meek, the whole city would have collapsed upon itself. But walking back down Broad Street after, right directly after we are the champions, dreams and nightmares blaring throughout the city. Unlike earlier in the parade when they first got to the podium, they did not just edit it and cut out all the the dirty parts. They just played it in full. And I and there are guys. There are sixteen year old white kids, forty year old black guys. Uh, the, Hispanic woman, all in a circle, dancing to dreams and nightmares. And I know there's been a few tweets going around, like the Eagles out here uh, solving racism and stuff. But like seeing people of all stripes out there dancing to Meek, knowing the words to uh, you know a few year old rap song that I don't think was particularly popular before this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like Adam, is this our new hip hop song for a generation in Philly? I- I think the fact that it is a few years old and it's being played more than like top 40 songs is incredible. Uh, it had its run, but it wasn't anything like this. I, I, what, what would be our rap song before? You know, something by Freeway, the, well, the theme song say, well, to Fresh Prince? Well, yeah, yeah actually. Which Mike Lombardi yeah. screwed up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of why... Uh, I will say this, I have never seen, this is even before the Eagles run, I've never seen any song create such chaos in a club than Dreams and Nightmares. Like when that song comes on, this is what I always marvel about it. It's a very long song with a lot of words and people know every word. And I'm not even good at remembering hooks. Before the Eagles, you mean? Like. Yes, Except, people yeah, okay. people have known the lyrics. Okay, and I haven't been in a I, club in a while. I'm just always fascinated that people will be like, oh, like do the whole thing, like a time like this, a rhyme like this, like this whole, it's like 400 words, and people know all of them, and it, it blows me away. Um, but, you know, the whole song, if you think about it, is about being an underdog. Yep. You know, there were times like this, and it's just all about where you came from. But it's it's a little crazy. The only thing I'll say to, before we talk about how the Eagles have solved race relations, I did experience one awkward moment. And guess what had happened? During the national fucking anthem. They got the parade. They're up there. They're doing the national anthem, all that stuff. 
And I'm in a crowd with hundreds of people. And this guy on the right just starts yelling at these people next to me, take off your hat, take off your fucking hat. And, you know, I look over and there's like a fat, like a family of African-American people being yelled at to take off their hat. And it was that moment for me that even in this moment that I knew was going to be a great where everyone is, you're not black, you're not white, you're not red, you're green, and everyone's loving it, that there's still going to be those people that are going to be freaking out. And it was just one of those things where everyone kind of looked at each other and was like, damn, like, okay, this is still a thing. So that's why, look, I saw all the moments too where everybody's hugging and, and you don't care about anything. But uh, there, I also saw that. I felt the need to share that. But yeah, Meek, I would say, I would say is definitely, I mean, when he gets out, it's going to be like a hero's, Heroes escape. I don't, I can't imagine what it's like for him in in jail right now. You know yeah. what what kind of provisions is he getting? What what is going on right now? Did he get to watch it? Like if you're in jail, do you get to watch the Super Bowl? I remember. I think so yeah, yeah why not? I remember. You think reading. so? I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm, I'm trying I to think back. It it yeah. wasn't Shawshank Redemption. I think it was the movie The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. They get to watch a little TV. I have a real answer here. Uh, there was <laughs> there was an article a couple of weeks ago. I think. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure there was an article a couple of weeks ago outlining that Meek does get a TV. I don't think he's in federal pound me in the ass prison. Uh, wow. I, wow. Russ, have you ever seen Office Space, Russ? Yes. Okay. Don't just, touch just, my stapler. Just checking. Okay. So, um, I was I wasn't sure. Um, I, I you know I I'm willing to bet Meek has like a little bit of a room, but uh, there was an article that they do get TV in prison. I'm sure one of the perks. Uh, of having a TV is they allow you to watch big events like the Super Bowl. So I like to envision Meek just hopping up on the tables and leading a, a round of dreams and nightmares with all the inmates as the Eagles are as the Eagles are coming out. That was the other thing, and I saw a few tweets to this effect. With the Eagles coming out to dreams and nightmares and doing their jumping up and down thing, getting everybody riled up, hold up, wait a minute, you know, and then the Patriots come out to crazy train, and you're like, you guys are you guys are losers. Like, yeah, Patriots say it was corny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, someone said, and this is like a National Football guy. I, you know, I don't remember specifics anymore. I just remember things. Uh, but they were like, at that moment, I knew that I knew the Eagles were going to win because they were they were lit from from the jump, and the Patriots just yeah, they kind of looked like the old losers that they are, and they are losers, and that feels good to say. Can we talk about a somber reality of winning? We've uh, now did, in yeah. in the last in the last three or four days. Do you want to tell uh, me about Carlinos first? I'll tell you, you about Carlinos. Or you want me to tell I'll, you about Carlinos? And I'll Americas. tell you about Carlinos. I don't care. Okay, you I'll tell me about you. Carlinos, and I'll tell I'll you about, about Carlinos. Carlinos is a fantastic Italian market found in both Ardmore and Westchester, Pennsylvania. They uh, are your home for all artisanal meats and cheeses. They have fantastic platters. I don't know if they're game day platters. I believe they, they might be done with that now. But if you're looking for catering, if you're looking for some pre-made meals, if you're looking to go into one of their locations and have some pasta tossed in front of you, have them bake you a delicious pizza, go in and get some mozzarella di bufala, you go right down to Carlinos in Carlino's Markets in Westchester or Ardmore. They have everything that you need for your gathering, a family dinner, that first date with the love of your life, potentially, uh, or even with someone that you've lost touch with. You're trying to get back in their good graces. You made a mistake at work and you need to get back on your boss's good side. Go get them some sopressada. 
Go get and some it, copy cola. And, and it's uh, at this moment I realized that Russ didn't read the the ad read copy. There is uh, no. Where's the ad read copy there, it, fella? It should be. It should be. In your, I think it was in your email. Um, it, the folks at Carlinas would like to remind you that Valentine's Day is on Wednesday, and if you are you want to make a homemade meal, but kind of wink, wink, not actually make it and get something that appears homemade, whether or not you tell her is completely your discretion. Then I would recommend Carlinos for some pasta, some meatballs, some fresh hot meals that that is homemade, tastes homemade, looks homemade. Um, should, Quite frankly, she'll never know the difference if you're a terrible cook. Or he'll no, never know the difference if you're a terrible cook and female. So go to Carlino's, Ardmore, Westchester. Uh, tell them we sent you. Also, I uh, want to thank our friends at Amerigas, who the nation's number one propane provider available at over 55,000 locations, including locally at Home Depot and 7-Eleven. Um, up until February 15th, once you go to crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas, enter your name and email, and you'll be entered to win $500 worth of prizes, including a, a, including a portable gas grill, a portable heat lamp, two tailgating chairs with sunshade, a hose to hook it all up, and $200 worth of apparel to the Crossing Broad store. Um, that's all you got to do to enter. You could also tweet or use the hashtag showyourtank on Facebook, uh, Twitter or Instagram and Post the most glorious, ridiculous picture of your Amerigas propane tank, and that will get you entered as well. Um, so do that. Thanks to our friends at Amerigas and Carlinos. Russ, uh, I'm guessing you wanted to talk about the Eagles coaching situation. So, yeah. So uh, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not thrilled with how this went down, and I know that it was out of their control. But you've now lost two coaches in DeFilippo and Reich. Fucking McDaniels. And... Um, I know that DiFilippo, his contract expired, and so you couldn't you couldn't hold him here. And I know that there is a, a current operating theory that even if Frank Reich had accepted the job with Indianapolis first, that DiFilippo might have left anyway because he would have gotten to call plays for the Vikings where he, he very likely or probably wouldn't have gotten that opportunity uh, with the Eagles. My big issue with it, I think, more than anything, is... You have two guys who are responsible in at least some way for developing a game plan that, you know, made the most of Nick Foles. But more importantly, you had at least one guy in DiFilippo who, by all accounts, I think even back in mid-December, um, Doug Peterson had been quoted as saying that DiFilippo was essentially on Carson Wentz's hip um, at practically every every step of this transformation from a first-year solid quarterback to a second-year MVP candidate. And I think more than anything, like it, we, I think a lot of us had kind of thought that we weren't going to lose either of these guys or we might only lose one just by virtue of having won the Super Bowl and a lot of coaching hires are, are done at this point. But the second that Josh McDaniels um, sleaze ball, sleaze bag, uh, reneging on, on his uh, contract with Indy went down, just kind of had a feeling that one of these guys was going to go. And it, it's it's poor timing and... You couldn't hold DiFilippo here, but uh, it's it's a little bit disappointing. I don't know the nuances of what goes into being a quarterback's coach or what goes into being an offensive coordinator, but I have to think that losing both of those guys comes at a very poor time for, for Carson. Let me hold up. Wait a minute, you there, on that. Because um, I don't know if you guys saw this. Late last night, uh, Peter King put out his MMQB, and this is the annual column where he spends time with the Super Bowl winning team and breaks down a specific moment from the game. So on Saturday morning, he was at the NovaCare Complex with Doug Peterson, 
Frank Reich, and wide receivers coach Mike Grow. And they, I mean, I swear to God, he wrote 3,000 words about the touchdown play to Ertz. Um, Absolute must-read for every Eagles fan. It's the MMQB. It's out now. Um, Really, if you want to get an appreciation for Frank Reich, just go read this piece and read the way that plays filter up from the lower-level coaches through Reich and then to Reich and Peterson, who ultimately decide when and how to implement it in the game plan. And reading about the way they executed this play, um, it was the first time they ran it all year. There's the touchdown to Ertz. It, it's seriously one of the best pieces you'll, you'll possibly read, and it gives you such an appreciation for the way. Not that you want to get appreciation for any coach and how hard they work and the things they do, but really do you get to understand the value of Frank Reich reading this and uh, reading this two hours after you found out that he was leaving the Eagles uh, was kind of a punch in the dick last night. I think, so I'm actually wrestling with this. Uh, How do you simultaneously enjoy the celebration while also trying to dis- discern how much emotion you should allow for the dynasty to continue. Can you be okay with one Super Bowl, or is the fret of losing your coaches enough to take you out of that enjoyment to worry about if you're going to win the next one? Right? Yeah. I, I'm at a point where we thought we were going to lose Reich and Filippo last season. We got the Super Bowl. Anybody that leaves now, it was amazing to have you. That's how I'm looking at it. Uh, from a functionality standpoint, that's you know 66% of the main coaches that dealt with the quarterbacks who clearly had great coaching this year for them to be able to make the jumps they did. Filippo going to Minnesota and Frank Wright going to Indy. Thus, Frank Wright, the quarterback that led the largest comeback in playoff history will now be coaching Andrew Luck, who had the second largest comeback in playoff history with a straight vendetta out against New England after Josh McDaniels spurned them. Um, I don't know who they bring up. I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see if Doug, if Deuce Staley gets any sort of promotion. Uh, I feel like the Eagles have been using him to get around Rooney rule things for quite some time. Uh, I'd like to see if he gets any opportunities. I don't know who else would be on staff. Obviously, you look to go on staff because you want to keep that energy going. Um, but it's going to have. Tell you, an reading impact. this, Mike Rowe seems like he will he will certainly be talked to as well. Now, get, Mike Rowe. Really... I'm going to read that article right after this. Mike Rowe was one of the guys that was part of our college shift change. And he was a he was part of the reason I thought that we got so much out of Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith. Um, he was a wide receivers coach that came in. Remember, he filled in for Greg Lewis, who was not the coach that I think we all thought hoped he would be. So you mean the fact that he was as bad of a coach as he was a player. I'm sorry. He would, yeah, don't say either. He was a good player. He caught the only touchdown in the Super Bowl before. Uh, this past Super Bowl. L.J. Greg, Smith caught one. Only wide receiver. Okay, it. okay. Uh, Brian Westbrook caught one, too. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I Look, I'm still fucked up because my friend Dan asked me the other day, why don't we stop rooting right now? And I went, what do you mean? He goes, 
if we stop right now, you end on top. And you never have to worry about this again. You can have all your life. That's what she said. Oh, my. Sorry. And I I thought about it, and I went, I went, oh, shit. And I, I keep thinking about it. Well, I the night the night that they won, I just had this really awful thought that crossed my mind when the Phillies won in 08. I was like, "All right, you're the champion. You only have two options now. You can either plateau and do it again, or you fall off, which sucks." Um, really quick, since you mentioned wide receivers, and I have to go. I have to uh, go too. There was a five star review left. Uh, we have a lot that we have to catch up on, but this one was the most recent one, and it fits into the wide receiver mold. By ECVD, it says, bad takes, five stars. Remember when you guys didn't think we could possibly go on without Jordan Matthews? Five stars. <laughs> and that that really, that goes up there with one that of That goes well with Kyle's LeGarrette Blunt take, which I think needs to be addressed, too. Yeah, oh, he's, I, I, you're not going to let me live this down, are you? Um, well, I think we all have something from this past season that we were wrong about. You know what I mean? Like, I would say that... Well, cold takes has made me relive that I said Doug Peterson's not a good coach. That is true. Uh, but I didn't get it like Lombardi. But that. But the thing is, is that there was look. We all. I remember saying that Nelson Aguilar. I'm done with Nelson Aguilar. I remember yep. I said that. Um, I called Jeffrey Lurie the worst sports owner in Philadelphia, not named Jay Sugarman, which I was damn. very wrong about. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, I think don't think you guys. So, Kyle, Kyle, be lucky that we haven't remembered all of yours except for Legarrette Blunt right now. Well, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we need to do a, a crow episode. I've actually, I wanted last week to do a eating crow post of just my takes. Um, off the top of my head, Legarrette Blunt, obviously, Doug Peterson, certainly. Um, I mean, those, those two standing out more than any. Jordan Matthews, a little bit. Um, though I, you know, I, I, well, we're not in the process of criticizing anybody. I think Ronald, I think Ronald Darby was was, if nothing else, the most frustrating player um, in some ways on the Eagles this year. And that's not like that is like the twentieth side note in talking about anything about the Eagles. Just um, obviously, it turned out to be a pretty good move because you allowed Aguilar to to thrive. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know, people, I was listening to the radio a lot over the last week, um, like I'm sure many people were, more certainly more so than normal. And, um, you know, it, everyone is, is kind of giving their mea culpas. You know, no no one, regardless of how hard people were on, on Peterson, and I, you know, was unfairly harsh on him, I think, you know, no one really thought this was a great hire uh, from day one because there really wasn't a, a book on him. And... One of the pieces I've been, I would also like to write this week is about Lori's, um, you know, commitment to emotional intelligence. Like it, it seemed like some sort of weird cliche, some, you know, some sort of desperate grasp towards the past. And since he's given that press conference, I mean, they have nailed it because he brought he brought in the guys he wanted, who did it the way he wanted. Uh, that represented the organization in the way they wanted. And this is something we talked about a lot on this show this year is everything went the Eagles' way, outside and inside the building. And then even those things, those little side things that are somewhat related to the sport, when there was the big anthem controversy and, like, how are they going to do this? And the Eagles, I think, largely stuck the landing on it, um, you know, with at, by paying respect to vote both viewpoints and their celebrations. I mean, they were known for like having the best celebrations in the league. And then they turned from this like positive, upbeat, fun atmosphere around the team to when Carson Wentz got went down, 
things got a little dark. And by the time January came around, they had a mean, like a nasty edge to them, starting with the underdogs thing, finishing up with them, you know, taking the field in the Super Bowl to dreams and nightmares. And Brian Brayman, I don't know if you saw this, Brian Brayman's pregame speech looking for a pink puff of smoke out the next MFer's head uh, that you come across. Like, you know, it's just everything everything it goes back to that Lori press conference and he wanted to remold the team and take his team back and you know I mean he did that and he brought in all of his guys and all of his guys exceeded you know well beyond our wildest expectations and I think that is kind of getting lost in all this as to how you know we thought he was hitting the reset button on the organization 48 months ago and now they're they're marching down Broad Street with the trophy Russ you still there no Russ is gone Oh, Russ, all right, I gotta, I gotta go too. I will say this to also. Um, I'll never forget being on Malcolm Jenkins' roof uh, f- to do a shoot, and it was the we're standing up there, and I get this NFL employee. Her name is Paige. She looks at me and she goes, "Did you see what happened?" And I looked out on my phone. And the Eagles had traded Sam Bradford to the Minnesota Vikings for a first-round pick. And I remember I broke the news to Malcolm. And he was distraught. He thought Sam gave them the best chance to win. He was saying things like, man, when you're at this point in my career, the only thing you want is a Super Bowl and you're not going to get it. And I feel like we're rebuilding. The players thought they were rebuilding too. And to get a guy like Carson Wentz, who we all know is a top five quarterback in the NFL right now, to then lose him and still win, to see interviews with with Harold Carmichael where he said, this isn't just a team that plays together, it's a team that prays together. There are so many elements. I'm not expecting the Kelsey, Lane Johnson, uh, guys to be with, you know, the Carson Wentz, Trey Burton prayer circle, to be with, you know, the Malcolm Jenkins, you know, speaking up for players' rights. Like, they're all so different, but they all work together, and it really was that beautiful mix of veteran, rookie, like, disgraced, lot is expected. Like Alshon hasn't been disrespected too much in his career. You know what I mean? But it goes well with Nelson Aguilar. And it's just a beautiful mix. I can't believe it happened. Uh, I'm excited to still talk about it, but I think they'll handle the losses of Reich and Filippo. That's what they'll do. They'll be ready for it. But look, man, the Patriots dynasty is dying. And we are the spear chucked by the Trojan 300 that the Spartan 300 that showed the Persians that they are human and the Patriots are human. And we scared them so much that McDaniels is now staying and it cost us our coaches, but it's worth it. Um, Anything before we go, Kyle? What do you think chance our Gronk retires? I would say... If I was going to give it one out of ten, I would give it a three. Okay. A three and a half. Where he's been through a lot. He's saved a lot of money. He's been injured so many times. 
Uh, I think that if he suffered a serious injury in the Super Bowl that would have required long rehab, I would have moved it to a seven. Okay. But the fact that he doesn't have to rehab, that he could just get back into it. But we're nearing the end of of the greatest tight end that's ever played's career ending. What is it? You know, is it the concussion thing? I mean. It's the collective. I mean, he's where he wears body armor on his elbow because that's been like torn. He's he's destroyed an ACL. He's had multiple concussions. Um, I mean, his, his if you were to do like a put the body on the screen graphic like they used to do with Iverson in the playoffs and like just point to all of the things that are issued, he'd be lighting up like a Christmas tree. And I just think he's at that time of his career, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, where the guys that have really been through it year nine, that's when you really start to question it. He's got two Super Bowl rings. Brady's getting to retire. Belichick's getting ready to pass the torch. I think he's a, it's a culmination type of thing. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to try to do it again Wednesday. After it's been a long time of us getting back together, but it's always fun. Uh, uh, for Russ, a.k.a. Julian Broad, Kyle at Crossing Broad, I am at Adam Lefko. Uh, Russ, it sounds like we'll dive deeper into the iTunes reviews uh, starting on Wednesday, so make sure to get them in, and we'll get through as many as we can. And uh, hit us up as I yawn more on Twitter. And uh, what are some stuff that, what were your observations from the parade? What are things that you're thinking about right now? What are the big questions that you have? We'll try to get to all of them on the next show of The Crossing Broadcast.